thanks for that song. That was uh, written by a friend of mine named Rodney Griffin. And uh, Rodney is an American chap. He's written a lot of songs and he's written some really good ones. And uh, as long as I'm not singing them, they're really good. <laughs> but uh, fantastic. Well, thank you, Pastor, for the invitation to come tonight, as always. And thank you um, to uh, those who cooked the spaghetti tonight. It was very good. Very Italianish, and um, almost feel like uh, practicing my Italian, but uh, I won't. And uh, but thank you very much for that. Appreciate your um, uh, hospitality as always. Thank you for praying for us over recent months. And um, the Lord's uh, really blessed us this year. We've seen some. Um, um, how do I put it? We've seen some amazing conversions around the, the churches this year, and. Um, You've all uh, had a part to play in that. Uh, so thank you for your partnership in, in the Lord's work. Um, <clears throat> I have got a little Bible study tonight that we'll do. And, but I could just stand up here and tell you stories about um, people that have come to the Lord over recent months and some just exciting things happening. Um, <clears throat> there's, um, there's a, I'll just tell you one story. A fella in um, Mount Gambia back in... August, the year is going so quickly. Do you forget what month we're in? I've I, I got no idea what year we're in, basically. Um, but I always go down there for Friend Day. I have, I think, for about 13, maybe 14 years in a row now, down on Friend Day and, and uh, preach the gospel, as I normally do. And uh, this fella came straight down the aisle. His name's Luke. And I don't remember him, but evidently he'd, he'd been to a Friend Day um, Oh, many, many years before that. Um, actually, I don't know if he'd been to Friendo. I don't know if I've met him before. But he had been to the church about, um, I think, 18 years before. And this fella, he's, uh, actually, he was, he was at church, but he was, he's, uh, he's still on parole. So <laughs> he's, he's got a lot of, a lot of uh, baggage in his life. He's still on parole and um, just more problems in his life than you can poke a stick at, as they say. But... Um, Heard the gospel many times. He just came, he almost came running down the aisle during the invitation. And um, so I, uh, you know, during the service, gave him to one of the men of the church and who took him into the little, one of the little counselling rooms and um, started going through some salvation verses. You know what you do when you go through the assurance verses or verses on salvation. And he said, uh, he said, no, I don't need all that. I, uh, I know all those verses. <laughs> He said, can I get saved today? <laughs> and the fellow said, yeah, you can call on the Lord today. And he uh, called on the Lord to save him. He was there at church on the, the Sunday night. He was there Wednesday night, brought his mother to church on the Wednesday night. And uh, what do they say? Some of the old timers used to say, you got a real good dose of it. But, um, you know, Jesus still saves sinners and it's awesome. You know, I've, I've, I've got the best job in the world, eh? I mean, the best job is to travel around the world preaching the gospel. Uh, it's not highfalutin stuff, it's just the fact that Jesus died for sinners, shed his blood, was buried and rose again. That's, the message is just, it's powerful. And the preaching of the cross is foolishness to the world, but to us which believe it is, uh, it is dynamite. And so um, keep preaching the gospel. And uh, thank you, thank you so much for your support of the young family. Uh, Robin was to come up, um, she was going to be on the train about now coming up 
today, um, getting in late tonight, uh, and we're heading up, God willing, to uh, Tannum, Tannum Sands, to Shining Light Baptist Church for starting, starting meetings on Friday night. Um, but she wasn't able to come tonight, so she's going to fly up tomorrow night. So, um, but we'll just be here. Just, she'll just be here for a few hours, and then we'll head off. So she sends her greetings as well. Matthew chapter eleven, please. Matthew chapter eleven, and um, <clears throat> now I know we don't go very long Wednesday nights from past experience. So I'm going to give you a little outline here. Maybe ramble on a bit and trust that maybe there's something here will be a blessing to you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, says Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, <clears throat> some of the most well-known Verses in the Bible there. And let me speak to you for a few, few minutes tonight on take it easy. And let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for the blessings of a beautiful day. And uh, Lord, we're just so wonderful to be here with the Lord's people in the middle of the week. And we pray and ask for your blessing uh, upon the, the study tonight. I pray that your Holy Spirit will take the, word, the words of God and um, just... Uh, May we apply what we learn this night. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> um, there's an old Aussie saying, and I haven't said it for a long time, but I'm sure I've said it in the past. When you're leaving someone, you say, um, <clears throat> don't work too hard. You ever said that? You live somewhere? Don't work too hard. And, uh, you know, we, um, <clears throat> I suppose Australians are, uh, well, Supposedly we are known for not working too hard, but I think the average Aussie is a fairly hard worker. Um, if you've ever read the book by Latourne, Mover of Men and Mountains, he, his motto in life was, don't work hard, work fast. And I know that most probably doesn't hold true for everyone, but he was a believer, if you want to have an edge in business, don't work hard, work fast. Uh, that's what he said. You know, God made us to work. Um, Adam had to work. We read that in the book of Genesis. God said to Adam, look, I've made this beautiful place here. I want you to dress it and to keep it. And I think it was very easy work. There were no weeds in those days, but he was made to work. I've been teaching my grandsons, at least the three oldest grandsons, over recent months about the value of work. When they come around to Zamar and Pa's place for a milkshake, they've got to work for it. So I, I'll find them. You know, they can dig a hole or, or do something. Um, I'm trying to teach them that you work and you don't necessarily need to work for money. Uh, now, money, if you get paid for your work, that's handy. That's a handy thing to have, but you don't have to get paid. That's, we don't work to get paid. That's the secondary reason. We work because God made us to work. That's why it's not possible for someone not to have a job. Now, you may not have a paying job, but everyone has to have a job. And if you haven't got a paying job, well, just go and do some work somewhere. Um, I'm sure, I guarantee you, there's got to be someone here at Good Shepherd Baptist that needs some work done. Or there's got to be someone in Albany Creek somewhere that has some, some work that needs doing. And um, if you work, <clears throat> then uh, the money will, money will find you somehow. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. But that's another subject. <clears throat> I don't want to talk so much about... <clears throat> Labour, as in work, but Jesus was saying here in, in Matthew 28, 
He said, come unto me all ye that labour and are heavy laden. Now the word labour there means to grow weary, to be exhausted from toil or exhausted with grief. And then the little words there, heavy laden, means to be overburdened. Overburdened. Carrying almost more than you can bear. And I often think of when uh, you know, Robin goes out and brings the groceries back. We've got three or four steps up to our, our, our unit where we live and, and I'll open the door sometimes. She's struggling up, you know, with, up the stairs with all the, the bags. Uh, and, uh, and so I'll actually be a gentleman. Open the door for her, you know. But, uh, <laughs> um, but um, overburdened. You know, we can, we can all be overburdened in life. How can we be overburdened or seemingly carrying more than we can carry? And there's a lot of reasons why we get overburdened. It could be the trials of life. And I guarantee you there's many people out here in this church uh, and in every church that are going through deep trials at the moment. It can be the circumstances of life um, that bring this sense of being overburdened. It could be temptation. Sometimes we go through times of temptation and sometimes those temptations seem too much. Uh, for some people, it's sin. It's not always sin, but for some people, it is sin. Some people are overburdened because there's sin in their lives. They haven't dealt with the sin. You know, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. So if you live a life of sin, you will very quickly become overburdened. You'll become overburdened by guilt and, and so on. And sometimes it's just life itself. My father-in-law, is, uh, he'll be 88 in March... And he said to me a number of years ago, he said, uh, he said don't get old. <laughs> he said, don't get old. You know, he's got two, uh, two bung knees, two bung shoulders, bung everything. And uh, he, says, uh, he says, yeah, don't get old. He says, there's nothing romantic about being old. <laughs> he said, every day is a burden. And uh, <clears throat> so maybe it's old age. Well, I don't think there's any old people here tonight. Sometimes the Christian life can just be difficult. It's not always easy being a Christian in the world in which we live. But we have some wonderful words from the Lord Jesus Christ here. Let me give you a little four-point outline. And then I want to change. I'm going to rush through this outline, change tack a little bit, and then we'll close. Here's the first thing. This is his call. His call. Verse 28, he says, Come unto me. All you that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's his call. He says, come unto me. So if you are heavy, heavy uh, laden, if you're overburdened, if you are labouring, weary with grief or whatever it might be, the call is to come to Jesus. Now, the obvious, the obvious thing we say here is this. If, if you are overburdened with sin and you're, you are overburdened with guilt or whatever, come to Jesus. He is the one that will <clears throat> relieve you of the burdens of sin. Come to Jesus. So if you are not a Christian tonight, come to Jesus. In fact, that word come, it's, it's, it's in different parts of the Bible. In Isaiah, <clears throat> Isaiah said, Come now and re- let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And you go right to the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say what? Say, come. And Jesus said, come unto me. We often say, we do the coming and he does the saving. He says, come unto me and I'll give you rest. And then, then secondly, 
Secondly, there's his command. Verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He says, I want you to come to me and I'll give you rest. And then he says, then I want you to take my yoke upon you. What's he talking about here? We've read this a hundred times, a thousand times. <clears throat> when uh, my brother and I were little kids, we, um, <clears throat> um, we used to spend our holidays down at, um, just, just outside of Newcastle. I don't know if you're familiar with Newcastle, but there's um, the Newcastle Airport is, a, is, a, is actually the RAAF base. It's the, the public airport and the, the RAF base there, Williamtown, maybe 10, 15 k's out of Newcastle. And I remember as little kids, we would go there and, and, and the only way to get there, or the, the direct way to get there, was through Newcastle and over on the, 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 the punt or the ferry. And I uh, didn't have the bridge, the Stockton Bridge in, in those days. And so I remember as a little kid lining up there at, at holiday time, you know, the line-up would be way, way down the road in, the, in our little two-door 1966 Ford Cortina and uh, lining up to go on the punt to go across to Stockton to then drive down to Uncle Trevor's uh, dairy farm. And he had this little dairy farm. And that was back in the days when, um, you know, 30 or 40 cows would keep you in business. Nowadays, you need to have a big farm, little, little farmers. There's hardly any of them around. You can't make enough money. But I remember the, the, the fondest memories of our childhood were going up to Uncle Trevor's farm and, and his son Alan is about my age and so we would, uh, we would play cowboys and Indians and, uh, and we, would, um, uh, we would play cricket and, and all, all this sort of stuff. And, um, <clears throat> uh, and then um, he had this tractor on the farm and it was a Massey Ferguson red tractor. Who remembers the old Massey Ferguson tractors? It wasn't the grey one, it was the red one. And uh, I think it might still be there. I'm not sure. I'll have to ask my, my auntie there. Is, she's still alive. I'll have to ask her. But I remember as a 10, 11-year-old that uh, Uncle Trevor let me drive the tractor. Didn't know what I was doing. But uh, who's ever driven a tractor as a little kid? Anyone? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, he, oh, he didn't let my brother Lyndon drive it, uh, thankfully. But um, he, I used to remember driving that tractor and, and of course, uh, what, what, what do you use a tractor for, boys? You use a tractor for doing all the stuff around the farm, ploughing and harrowing and all the rest of it. And, uh, but, you know, back in Bible times, they didn't have tractors. They had oxen. And uh, in those days, you had to basically plough your field and so on. And, and, uh, and if you were, uh, <clears throat> had a little bit of money, you could get two oxen was two stronger than one and so uh, but of course the oxen would not want to pull the plow and it would be like a wooden plow very very hard work but the oxen uh, the two oxen together wouldn't normally pull in the same direction they were um, rebellious sort of animals and so they'd have to put a, a yoke or a wooden piece over their necks you know what a yoke is you seen the yoke so you had to get in the yoke and so they were both pulling the same direction and so the word yoke is used a number of times in the Bible. But Jesus said here, he said, um, this is his command. He said, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. What was he saying there? Now, usually, or with a lot of Christians, this is what we do. We say, Jesus, you come and get in my yoke. This is the way I want to play out. This is what I want to do. You come and help me. You ever said that? Yeah. Lord, I'm going to go this direction 
and it might be a really good direction, or you think it is. And Jesus, you come and you come and you uh, you help me plow this track. But Jesus said, no, it doesn't work that way. You take my yoke upon you. So you come and get in the yoke. He wants us to get in the yoke with him. Because he said, this is the direction I'm going to go. Now, maybe that direction, maybe another direction in life. Um, <clears throat> young people especially, you're at this, you know, you're at these formative years in your life. It's not the direction you want to go for life. That's not what counts. That's where God wants you to go. It's what God wants you to do. Basically, it's, it's <clears throat> surrendering your will to his will. And saying, yes, Jesus, I'm going to get in the yoke with you. Because when you're in the yoke with Jesus, he does the heavy pulling. He sets the direction. Now, there's still work to do. There's still a burden there. But Jesus carries us through that. You've most probably heard me say this, but Frank Sinatra's famous song was, I did it my way. And to me, that is the anthem of the new millennium. I did it my way. And a lot of Christians are like that. Say, oh, I want Jesus to help me so I can do it my way. But that's not what, that doesn't work that way. That's not how it works. We're supposed to do it Jesus' way. That's why he said, you take my yoke upon you. You get in the yoke with me. And then, and then the Christian life becomes, it becomes wonderful. It becomes wonderful. He says, I'll do the leading. I'll set the direction. I'll do the, 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 the hard work, as it were. You just come in with me. You get beside me. You get beside me. You know, if we don't get in the yoke with Jesus, the Christian life becomes really hard. It's really, really difficult. You know, you can have the right motives and you can have the right, um, you know, <clears throat> the right intentions as a Christian. Yet if you keep saying, Jesus, come over, I'm, I'm doing this, Lord. This is what I'm going to do in my life. You come over here and give me a hand, will you, please? It doesn't work that way. It's Romans 12.1 saying, Lord, I give my life, give my body a living sacrifice. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. <clears throat> and then he said, learn of me. Point number three, I'm just racing here. This is his character, his character. The second part of verse 29, he says, For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. His character. Jesus does not force his way upon us. He doesn't say, come here, get in the yoke. He doesn't, that's not the Lord. The Lord is kind, he is meek, he's humble. He says, here's the invitation to you. Here's the invitation to you. I want it to be voluntary. You know, we get this crazy idea of God, that God is some, uh, you know, <clears throat> and we've all, we've all seen or heard of these definitions of God, that he's this old man up in the clouds with the big white beard and the thunderbolts, you know, the lightning, the lightning rods, just keep throwing them down, trying to make, make people miserable. That's not God. God is meek. Jesus is humble. And he says, you, you'll find this out. He says, listen, you come. Just come. Come and take, take my yoke and learn of me. He said, I'll look after the rest. I'll look after the rest. 
And then he says, you'll find rest unto your souls. There's one thing this world does not have, and it's rest. Rest. The wicked are like the what? The troubled sea. The wicked are like the troubled sea. They cannot rest. Like the ocean, never, ever rests. It never rests. Even, even if you get a glass sea occasionally, it doesn't happen very much. Underneath there, it's always moving. The currents are going. And the wicked are like the troubled sea. But Jesus said, no, <clears throat> you do it my way and you'll find rest unto your souls. What is this rest, this soul rest that Jesus talks about? You look up the definitions, there's many of them. Spiritual rest, freedom from anxiety, at peace with God, an inward quiet, secure in Christ, free from insecurity. And the list goes on. I'm sure it encompasses a lot of those things. But the Lord loves us and he wants to give us rest. He wants to give us rest. Unto the soul. Now we can have storms raging around us. If we get in the yoke with Jesus, we have that rest. And it's a wonderful thing. And then lastly, there was his call, his command, his character. Lastly, there was his comfort. Verse 30, he says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I just want to change tack here. Just I'm looking at the clock there, Pastor. I won't be more than just a couple more minutes. Um, <clears throat> what a picture of rest there. Did I put the baby to sleep or was just... I don't know. I, I, might, I put a lot of people to sleep, but that's all right. Do you know we have a new granddaughter? Little uh, Sarah, our daughter, had, had, a, had a baby girl, our first granddaughter. So now we have four grandsons and a granddaughter. And whenever she looks at me, she bursts into tears. <laughs> she used to start screaming, but now it's just crying. So I'm sort of getting there. But uh, she's most probably never seen anyone with so bald and so ugly. But <laughs> poor little kid. Come over to John chapter 16. Just turn over you in your Bible there. John chapter 16. There's someone else. Remember, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. He said, you come alongside me. You get alongside Jesus. That's how the Christian life works. He said, I'll give you rest to your souls. Yeah, you'll go through some storms. Sometimes the ground will be a bit hard. Sometimes it'll be hard work, but that's fine. I'm going to do most of the pulling here for you. And you will have rest. But there's someone else that comes alongside the believer. John chapter 16, and let me see, verse number 7. The Lord Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Look at verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. The Comforter. The word comforter there, verse 7, means literally the one called alongside. So it's not just being in the yoke with Jesus. Jesus said to the disciples, listen, I'm, I've got to go back to heaven. I've got a building program to do. I'm going to build some mansions up there. But he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you by yourself here. I'm going to send someone else here to be right beside you. The one called alongside. 
the comforter, and of course, that's the Holy Spirit. And if you are a Christian, if you are born again, believer, the Spirit of God, who is God, and He's just as much God as God the Father and God the Son, a different personality, but God, He's in your, in your body. So your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> So we need to believe and reckon on that and act on that. Take your Bible, come over to Galatians. Galatians, and we'll finish up here. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you, this only would I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? What's he saying here? Well, among other things, he's, uh, the Apostle Paul was saying to the church at Galatia, listen, you start the Christian life by the Spirit of God. You have to be born of the Spirit. That's what Jesus said to, John, uh, to Nicodemus, John chapter 3. You have to be born of the Spirit. So he said, you've started the Christian life by the Spirit, so how are you going to be perfected or matured by the flesh? It doesn't work that way. See, what they were doing, they were going back to the Judaistic ways. And there were certain were saying, listen, we've got to go back, we've got to keep this ritual and that and that. And, and Paul said, no, no, it doesn't work that way. You start this Christian life through and by the Spirit of God and you live the Christian life by the Spirit of God because he's the one that's called alongside. And if we forget about him and disregard him, again, it makes the Christian life very, very difficult. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. This I say then, sorry, verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Actually, I should have read verse number 1 first. Look at Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And look at this. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage. Now for these Judaizers here, they were putting themselves not in the yoke of Jesus, but they were going back to the yoke of bondage, the yoke that they were under. And Jesus said, no, you're no longer under that yoke. You are free now. And you have this incredible Holy Spirit. Don't get in the yoke of bondage. You've got the comforter alongside of you. So you need to walk after the Spirit. Not after the flesh. And again, he says it again. We learn all about it here in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. <clears throat> you know, if there is a, I don't know if there is a secret to the Christian life, but if there is one, this is it. It's walking in the Spirit. Realising... Realising that the Holy Spirit who lives within us is God. He is God. And He is our comforter. He is our encourager. He is our prayer partner. Sometimes, you know, the Bible says, sometimes we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit helps us pray. He is our convictor. He reproves us of sin. He's a wonderful person, this Holy Spirit. And yet so often Christians, can get, we can go through months and even years of our life and never even give him a second thought. But he's right there beside us. 
So we need to follow his lead. And when we, as it were, I know it doesn't say yoke up with the Spirit of God, but maybe I'm stretching things theologically there a little bit, but we are to walk after him because he is our comforter, one called alongside. And when we walk after the Spirit and when he controls our lives, things become a lot easier in the Christian life. Um, <clears throat> you say, how does that, how does that affect us? Uh, how does that affect me um, literally, you know, day to day? I was uh, um, talking with an, an old lady from our church oh, about a month ago. Um, I was in Coffs and <clears throat> she had a, a bookcase. She gave us a bookcase that I'm hopefully one day going to paint and put in the house somewhere. I went round, took the ute round, and we were loading this thing up. And um, I had Rob. Rob was down. Rob Boy was down for the, literally for a couple of hours. So he helped me move this bookcase. And this lady, she's in her 80s, and she's the dearest Christian lady. Her husband is um, has advanced dementia. He's in a nursing home. He's had it for years, but now he cannot live at home. She's got a lot of family problems and, and so on. But she's just this incredible, only a little lady about this big, this incredible prayer warrior. And uh, <clears throat> Rob and I were speaking to Nita, just uh, having a bit of fellowship, and she said, here's a lesson for you. I said, oh, this will be good. She says, you know, I've been struggling in my Christian life. I think, you know, here's a lady that's been saved for most, probably 60 years. She's struggling in the Christian life. Does that happen? Yeah, I imagine it does. But she says, you know, I've learned to walk in the Spirit. I've learned to have the Spirit of God control my life. She says, now, every day I ask the the Spirit of God to control what I do. And she says, now I'm actually, um, you know, with the family problems and the husband in the the home, she says, now I'm I'm actually doing less and accomplishing more with the Spirit of God controlling my life. And then she said something that, well, she really convicted me. She said, you know what what else I do? She said, I drive in the Spirit. Ooh. <laughs> I drive in the Spirit. Now, Robin, I was a sales rep for many years in Sydney with pharmaceutical company and then with Qantas Airways and Australian Airlines and so on. So I know Sydney really well. And um, Robin reckons whenever we get down the M1, whenever we get to uh, Pennant Hills Road there at Hornsby, that my eyes glaze over and I become, I get... I automatically switch into sales rep mode. <laughs> you know, in and out of the traffic and, and so on. And uh, I used to, going to the airport, I, I would always, when we lived in I would always take the back streets to the airport. I knew all the streets around St. Peter's and all around there. Uh, of course, it always takes longer to go the back streets than the main road. But anyway, it made me feel better that I was racing down the back streets. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes when you get into sales rep mode... Uh, I think the flesh <laughs> takes the forefront. Now, I know there's no one in here who would drive like a maniac uh, or drive like that. But, um, you know, when you're in the, especially in the Sydney traffic, especially in Coffs Harbour traffic, every maniac in the world in Australia is, is now living in Coffs Harbour. But anyway, <laughs> I think it's all the Victorians have come up, you know. <laughs> but... It does. It, te- it tests your, what's the word? Sanctification? Come on. 
Does anyone identify with me or are you all saints here? There's a couple of fellas, it's usually the fellas, you know, someone cuts you off, where'd you get your, li- your license? From a cornflakes packet and all that stuff, you know. They, in the old days, you used to say, Sunday driver. I'm not sure what that meant, but um, Sunday driver. But that tests your sanctification, it tests your, your Christian spirituality, that's for sure. And you get on that honk on that horn and changing lanes and, you know, tailgating and stuff and, and it really makes you feel good, eh? No. I do that and I get convicted. And this lady, Nita, she said, you know, I, I drive in the Spirit. And I ask the Holy Spirit to keep me even-tempered and kind out on the roads. She said, it's really nice to drive now. <laughs> I thought, I need to try that. <laughs> Why are these little, little Christian ladies, what are they? They're like little, like, like prophets. You know, they're like prophets. Like, like uh, just, um, they convict me. Guess what? It actually works. It actually works. Um, <clears throat> we've got this, I don't know if this story fits, but I'll tell you, it's a good story anyway. Our neighbours right at the back of us, uh, I've got to stop, I know, sorry. The neighbours right at the back of us, they've got a, an open veranda there. We've got this little unit in Coffs Harbour and there, it sort of slopes down to our place. They've got a, an open, big open veranda. Two teenage, nice enough boys, <clears throat> they've got their own rock band and during the holidays, and usually Sunday, just when you go down for a nap Sunday afternoon, he start, and they're pretty good. They start up electric guitar and the full-on drum set. I've, I've got my, my Apple, what do you call it, an audio meter, and it's been 95 decibels inside our house. Not out the backyard, inside the house. And so I'm, I'm, I'm always thinking of how can I destroy these people? <laughs> <laughs> But Robin keeps saying, no, we must be Christ-like. Right? We need to have the Holy Spirit uh, direct our dealings here. Now, I have asked him to quieten down a few times, uh, nicely, because he's big, big, the dad's bigger than me. But, you know, you go to work, you've got a hard time at work or at home or whatever. Life is so much better when the Spirit of God controls what we do. You know, that's, that's what it talks about there in Galatians chapter 5. You know, we know what the works of the flesh are, but the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that's all the stuff, it's not natural to us. It's not natural to my flesh, but that's the stuff I want in my life. And it only comes through being led by the Spirit of God. Let that be, an, uh, it's an encouragement, it's a conviction and encouragement to me, because I know my heart is wicked. Maybe tomorrow we need to go to work or go to school and say, Dear Holy Spirit, you control my life today. I want you to come right. I know you're here. I'm going to acknowledge you as being the comforter, the one called alongside. And I know my life will, the burden will be easy and light when the Spirit of God controls our lives. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for, for your word. Encourage us, dear Lord, uh, this evening to get close to the Lord Jesus and to believe and, and to obey the leading of the Spirit of God in our lives. Bless uh, the prayer time to follow, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, thanks.